podcast is to do about um, uh, about India and about your love for India, because I know you love India very much. First of all, um, Ashley, would you mind giving us a little introduction about your background and um, when you first started coming to India? Sure. Uh, my name is Ashley Malin, um, and I started to, I'm from Portland, Oregon, or I live there now. And I first became uh, interested in India in 2004. I was supposed to travel to Nepal on a trek. And I had, I've been a graphic designer at Nike for almost 20, about 20 years now. And at this time when I was working at Nike, I would have these year long contracts and then a three month break and then go back for another year. And so I had the, one of the first years, I think maybe the first year I was there, no, uh, 2004, I started there in 2001. So a couple years in, I had this three month break coming up and I really wanted to go trek in Nepal. I wanted to go to the Himalayas and, um, and, and hike there. And yes. it, was during, um, it was during the Maoist insurgency and it was actually quite dangerous. And yeah. it was like, it was the Maoists were um, like uprising and it was on, to the point that it was on the front page of the New York Times like every day. And I had all my parents and my friends, I actually had some friends who had just traveled at that time and they were like, you know, it's not really the greatest time to be there. So, and my parents were like, you're not going, you're crazy. I was going by myself for this time. So was this going to be your first, was this going to be your first time? Yeah. So I decided to, to switch gears. I still wanted to go to the Himalayas, but I could do it from the Indian side. And I had nice. read at that point, I'd been doing yoga since 1992. So I'd been doing yoga for some time and I'd read Autobiography of a Yogi. And so between those three things, I thought, okay, sure, let's switch gears. And I ended up in India. And I still like have, you know, some divine grace that I ended up traveling there because um, it was never, it was actually never on part of my plan. Um, so when I traveled there, I went, um, I first went to Sikkim and I went on a trek. And I, I saw the Himalayas, and then I went to like Darjeeling, and then I went and saw my parent, my mom, and my sister in Bhutan. And I did a trek for there for two weeks, and then I went from Bhutan. So I went from Sikkim and the mountains of Bhutan, and I flew by myself to Calcutta. And it was during Durga Puja, and it right. was um, quite. Uh, I was actually quite terrified. Can you, can you explain, because we're, we're, we're talking to an audience which may not know about Durga Puja. Can yeah. you explain what you understand by Durga Puja? So, sure. So Durga Puja is a festival that was, that's the, in Calcutta, especially in East India, it's like the biggest festival of the year. And it's a time yes. when they worship Durga and like the manifestations of Durga. And correct me if I'm wrong, but um, so it was like a nine- is it nine days? And Dur Durga is a divine. Is, is is a divine. Is, is a representative of the divine feminine, right? Yes, and like the um, yeah. So in so where I was staying was this area that had all these different. All the neighborhoods had different pujas where they had had these um, neighborhood uh, like these elaborate kind of statues and decorations and all this stuff. But I was so scared of. I didn't know how to get a taxi. I didn't know how to negotiate. I didn't know how to do anything. And I thought I had read City of Joy and I thought, okay, it'll be great. I'm going to go be like Mother Teresa or something. And instead it was a very different situation for me. So um, like to the point that I even one day I was walking by myself and I saw a sign for um, like a tourist guided tour of Durga Puja. And I thought, okay, this is cool. Maybe I'll try that. So I did, and we ended up driving out to some neighborhood where they were literally sacrificing goats. So this was oh. like second day in India, and and I was like, "What is going on? This is absolutely." And you're like, vegetarian. Uh, at that point, um, I I think I was. Yeah, I've been veggie on and off my whole life, but um, yeah. So it just was like I've never seen actually like like the men were wearing loincloths and they were had the goats and I'm like oh what's going on and I was like oh my god and they were drinking the blood so that was like that was really that was like my intro to India and so I ended up going from that experience I went to the train station at that point we did not have phones we did not have uh 
smartphones. There was no phone at all. Like to make a phone call, I had to go to the um, booth and to go anywhere, I had to go to an internet cafe and I was doing all my own logistics. So I went to the train station and I just said, get me out of here. I have to go somewhere else. So I ended up going down to see a friend in Kerala who was living in Kerala. So I ended up in Southern India. And then from there, I ended up like seeing, um, I forget where else I went, but I traveled all over the place on that trip, south, the middle. Um, and how long was that trip? I believe I went to Rajasthan for a couple of weeks. That was for three months. So I was um, alone for three months in India and people are always like, you know, I, I can't believe you traveled alone. And I honestly never thought too much about it. It was just how I travel. So um, I never really had, I've never had a problem traveling yeah. by myself. Um, I think that you, uh, you didn't I think experience there, any any kind of sexual harassment or anything. I mean, I've had a couple of close calls, but I think if, if I think if you have a, I think if you have a, like a, um, I don't act like I'm vulnerable and I don't put myself in bad situations. I'm not like drinking by myself at night and walking around. You know, I, I'm pretty savvy. And so a couple times I have had weird things, but I just throw elbows or you know you can. If you're aggressive in some way, it just the men will back off. So I've only it, it really has never come up where I've had any issues. Um, and do, and do, you fact, I, a, do you follow a particular dress code? Because I know that helps. Uh, yes, like I definitely wear. Um, I have Indian clothes that I wear when I'm there that stay under my bed for the year. But then when I go to India, I bring them out. So um, I definitely wear you know uh, things down or tops that are down to my. Most I usually wear long sleeve, definitely short sleeve, um, and then I always wear longer. I usually wear pants, so I'll wear like loose fitting pants. Um, so I'm pretty respectful of like you know what the. I, I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. I don't wear jewelry. I don't. I mean, I'll wear like Indian kind of malas and stuff like that, but I never wear anything that I really care about or that'll draw attention to myself. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I ended up so that first time I was there for three months. And it really kind of changed my world. And then about, so that was 2004. And then in 2007, a friend of mine Sorry, from- can I, can, I, can, I just take, can I just take you back to changing your world? What do you mean it changed your world? Um, it just, uh, it's, it's hard to explain, but like India, um, the people that I met and just being on my own and being kind of on this, but at that time I was like a budget travel backpacker basically. Um, and I don't know, there's something about it that just drew me. It's like learning how people are um, like the culture is very pushy and there's no personal space and there's some things that are so different and they really put you, especially then without having, now with the phone, it really makes everything so much easier. And also with plane flights now, it's very different. But back then I was traveling by bus. I was traveling a lot by bus, actually. Uh, that first trip, it was the marriage season and all the trains were full. So I would yeah. travel if I could by train, but if I couldn't, I was traveling by bus and really just like, you know, bare bones kind of and so I that, I've, done, I've done it I've done it yeah, yeah it was pretty um I don't know you know you come home and you realize how like many luxuries we have here such as you know just a hot shower and ice cubes and things that are really taken for granted at home so um so did I never have, did, did you have so you had a positive perspective shift Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I didn't expect that I would come back, honestly, except for then two years later or three years later, a f my, one of my best friends from growing up, she had a high school, she was taking groups, high school groups to different countries. And two years after I'd been on that first trip, she asked me, uh, the school had approached her to take a group of high school kids to India. And she asked right. me what I thought about it. And I said, um, I think it's a great idea, but if I, if I help you, I want to be the leader. And so right. I ended up going back to India. I wanted to go back. And so that was like my way to go back. So I ended up going the second time I went back for two months. And this time I led a group of high school kids. I think it was maybe two weeks. And then the rest of the time I was on my own again. My, my ex-husband, he met me for 
three weeks down in the south. Um, so and how, then, many high, how many high school kids were there? So there were, I think there were like 18 kids. And when was this? This was 2007. So then and I went back. How, how did they react to India? The kids were interesting because um, they, that first group we had, well, we had one guy who was incredible. Like, it was kind of a mixed thing. There were some kids that really didn't embrace it and didn't understand it. And then there were other kids that did the opposite. And I'll never forget, I had one kid who was um, African-American. He came from a low socio, you know, from like pretty poor background. And he had never been on an airplane before. And he ended up doing a rap tape um, and doing a some sort of, like he recorded himself and he sold these tape that must've been, he sold CDs and that uh, was a while ago. And um, he sold these CDs and he paid for his, he made enough money that he could pay for the trip to go to India. And so he right. came to India and he was wearing like a, um, a white, I remember he was wearing like a tank top and, you know, like Nike high tops that were unlaced. And he was a little bit like gangster ghetto kind of thing. And he, um, <laughs> The first day we got to Rishikesh, and which is like the birthplace of yoga, basically where where you are right now. Um, so yeah. we get to Rishikesh and we're staying. I brought the kids to Parmarth Nikitan, and so we go to Parmarth. And the next day, this kid shows up, and we had some group activity or something. And the next day, he comes, he shows up, and he's wearing a turban on his head and he's got a full Indian he's got like a blanket a shawl over him and he's got these like loose fitting pants and he's wearing flip-flops and he had totally transformed and he was playing a flute <laughs> and he was like oh, wow. completely yeah, yeah. transformed into this other person and he, he uh, we had a darshan with Swamiji and he asked um he asked Swamiji he said so what I don't understand. What do you do? Do you just grant wishes or what? What I don't. I'm so confused by you. And he he was so cute. He just thought um, he really loved. It was like that was a very life changing thing for him as well. So I love taking the kids that embraced India. Um, some of the kids were not ready, and they were we they were like getting in trouble like you know Rishikesh is a dry city and somehow they were managed to find beer or we had you know we got somebody had a nose pierce and so there were some things that were like this is out this is not why I want to be in India like I want to be in India to bring people that um want to be in India and but that so, sorry these kids were about 18 18 yeah they, uh, no they were younger they were like 16 17 right so so I wasn't I wasn't used to like hanging out with teenagers, honestly. So but this trip ended up giving me an idea of what if I could take adults to do this? Because they want the kids wanted to like drink beer and ride elephants. And I was trying to take them to do to go to like the ashram and we were up in Dharamshala and um my trip idea was more of like a spiritual adventure and I think they were just a little bit young. And so, um, I'm sorry, can I take you back now? Because a, yeah. a lot of people are using the word spiritual. What do you mean by spiritual? Uh, for me, it's like going to, I mean, to me, India, the, the beauty of India is the, like, to me, their spiritual, the spirituality that oozes from people's pores in India is so different. And it's hard to explain because when we're in the, when we're in the West, um, it's more like there's religion and then there's materialism and spirituality is like a, a, a smaller component and, and meaning that like, um, in my mind, it's sort of that God is in everything and we're all connected. And, um, and that the one, the one thing that's so interesting to me about India is people are Muslim and Hindu and Christian and um, Buddhist and all these different religions. And yes, you hear about fighting and whatever, but I feel like the people that I always meet are, um, they don't care like what your religion is. It's not important. There's a consciousness that's just a higher level consciousness and meaning that whatever your, whatever your like label is, is um, like, that's okay. And it, at the end of the day, it's all the same, you know, it's all about, 
uh, finding your truth and your and and love. So, I I, I love I love how India has um, some of it is like a blind faith sometimes. Like when you go to a Hindu temple, I'm, yeah. I'm still I'm still not sure about Hindu temples. I, I I've been to many of them and. Um, Sometimes they're interesting to me, but sometimes I don't quite understand. There's such a there's such an innate like ritual that goes around a temple that is yeah. just foreign to me. So, um, but I do love when you know somebody on the side of the road will start talking to you, and they'll talk about the soul and like you know, God and source and energy and just some random person that's like a boat driver or a rickshaw driver, you know, that, that to me is it like blows my mind sometimes when just these, the, the deep conversations that I have with people in a short amount of time, like you, you don't talk to people like that. I, I don't talk to people in the West, like on these deep levels from the second that I meet them. And I love it. How do you overcome the language barrier? Uh, because I find that most people speak English, honestly. If they don't, I mean, if you go to a rural, definitely like if you go to a rural village or like last year I went to the Kumbh Mela and that was, um, you know, not so much English. And so, yeah, there's sometimes when I'm not always talking to people, but um, but in general, I feel like the I feel like a lot of people speak English. And that's probably also another reason why I like going there is because there isn't really a language barrier. Um, some places in the South, like if you're trying to find direction, you can always tell, I, I can tell people when they speak English or not, it's how they dress. And sometimes I'm wrong, but, but usually it's like, you can tell how they carry themselves and you can, t there's an educated or not educated sort of, um, way about people. Uh, so I don't so find, you're, uh, so, you're, so your intermingling has been more with educated people rather than uneducated people? No, no, I've done both for sure. I mean, I've been on a general compartment seven hour train ride with six people on a bench, you know, for seven hours where all I had was an iPod and cookies. So I've definitely had, I've done all the gamuts of everything. I've been with, you know, I've, I've definitely hung out. And then at that point you have music and you have this universal language. I got some music, I got some food, we can hang out and, you know, converse through like sign language kind of stuff, you know, and, and universal words. Um, so no, I've definitely hung out with, I've slept in yak huts in, you know, with people that don't speak any English that have yak tea, but there's always some way of communicating. It's usually through food or, um, music i mean really food or music or dance or something so there's always a way to communicate with people and you don't find you can have that level of communication with people in the west in general uh i would say in general no definitely not um yeah I, people that i hang out with in yoga world yes but people i hang out with in like other friend circles like i usually go pretty deep pretty quick and i would say a lot of people like to hang out on the surface yeah i agree with you and um, and and what else would you say that you love about India apart from the the openness of heart and the talking about spirituality? Um, I love the I love the innocent. There's like an innocence, even though people are trying to cheat me all the time with money and whatnot, and I always know I'm getting cheated. But whatever, I just kind of I don't really let it get to me so much anymore. But um, but I love that. I love, like, I remember last year when I was at the Kuma Mela and I was by myself and I was walking home and I was walking the wrong way on a bridge and it was me and there was probably like a thousand Indians walking the other way. And yeah. I remember this, I was like, this is really awkward, but I'm doing it anyway because the policeman said I could do it. So I did. And so <clears throat> I remember just saying, you know, just put a smile on your face and let's see how many people you smile and see what happens. And I just smiled to everybody and I, and it was like these, like the most beaming smiles that I got back. And I was like, this is great. I feel so, this is like, it was like a fun little thing that I did. And I, it was again, like a universal language. There's a smile. Okay. So, um, so I love the like innocence of, of, of India. It's very, um, it's not naive, but it's very innocent and sweet and, um, I think people are genuinely uh, good-natured, and I think. Um, uh, how do you how do you reckon, reconcile all of that with the corruption? I mean, I love India, 
But mm -hmm. how do you reconcile that, that innocence and that sweetness with the corruption and the cheating, for example? Well, the corruption I don't really know about because I don't live there. So I think right. as a tourist, I think that's... Okay, let's talk about the cheating. You said you mentioned earlier yeah. that you knew that you were getting cheated. I get it. Like, I get it. I have a Western, I have white skin. They're going to cheat, you know, like in general, I, I've gotten pretty savvy over the years. And so, um, you know, I'll either do my home, like do diligence and know how much I, I, I'll get the information from the local. How much should a taxi ride cost before I go out on the street? And then yes. when I know the taxi driver is charging me seven times as much, I'm like, yeah, right, no way, you know? And I can be kind of a jerk sometimes, more than I would be in the West, because yeah. sometimes I have to be pushy and, mm. and you know, and say, and sometimes I just ignore people because I, if I say no, it's going to be even worse. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, there's kind of this, like, it's always, India is a land of contrast. There's like yeah. angels. I, I find that the things that happened to me in India, you could not make up in a movie. I, I always have stories that you could never, you couldn't even write a movie about what the stories I've had. So, um, but I like that I can go out and I, in general, it's like, yeah, I, like I actually got pickpocketed this, t this year for the first time um, ever since I've ever been to India. And I've, now I've, this is my 11th trip. So I've spent a lot of time there and this, this, but I got my I ended up getting my money back because I knew it happened right when it happened. And my guide in Varanasi like went after the people and they threw my, my money on the ground, but I caught it within 30 seconds. I knew it. I, I knew I'd been taken for a ride and that was like a little violating and definitely um, a bummer. And, um, I'd never had, I'd never had that, but I don't know, you know, it's like the land of contrast. I, I meet really amazing people and I have really amazing experiences every time. And so I don't really let, if somebody's going to cheat me out of $5, like fine, that's on them. That's not really my, you know, that's, if that's what they're going to do, then I don't know. I don't let it get to me too hard. But do you, do you experience that kind of cheating in the West? No, but in India, you have to negotiate everything. It gets exhausting, you know? It's like exhausting to have to negotiate everything. In the West, everything is just has a price. So you just buy the stuff. You don't have to negotiate and get cheated and da-da-da. Like, we don't have any of that stuff. Um, yeah. So it's the same. I mean, I don't think people... It's just a different way of doing business, you know? It's just a different thing. What about the issue of like punctuality? We were talking earlier before the recording and, and, you know, sticking to one's word and, you know, people saying they're going to turn up and do something and then they don't. And I mean, for me personally, I didn't experience that in the West so much. Like I live here now. So I experience, you know, people say, yeah, I'm going to turn up at three o'clock and I'm going to do this. And then they don't turn up. They don't phone. They don't do anything. Um, this never happened to me in the West. I mean, what would you say about that kind of behavior? And uh, are, they, are they not spiritual? I mean, but these people are going to the temples, they're worshiping, they're getting up in the morning, they're doing their pujas, and yet the kind of what I call as the ethics of daily life are maybe not always present. So I find that difficult to reconcile, and I don't know if you have experienced that yourself. I haven't because again, not so much because again, I'm like on the tourist side of things and I'm on, I'm on the business side of like, I'm bringing people to the people like my experience is working with tour guides and, um, yoga teachers and they, when we have a class time, I mean, yeah, things are on Indian time, definitely late, but I actually haven't really had it where people just don't show up. So I think that's more like when you're living there than when you're traveling, traveling and living. Again, I haven't lived in India, so it's a little bit different. I've only traveled in India. And, um, and so I haven't, when you say that, it's interesting because I'm one, I'm almost wondering, like, I think people get lazy because they do the ritual and they go through the motions, but they might not be like walking the walk they're not practicing what they're preaching yeah they're not walking their talk right it's no. like they're it's just like on a broken record it's like they've done it so many times that they just do it out of habit but they're not really they're not walking the walk but, um but that but those people in my experience can be really kind and really loving and offer a love and a kindness that i haven't really experienced in general in in the west and yet there's this kind of like dichotomy at the same time yeah yeah interesting um yeah 
Would you ever think of coming to live in India? You know, I've thought about it. I thought like, you know, after my son, I, I would like, I wouldn't live there for my whole life or anything, but I would like to live there for maybe a year just to, there's a lot of things that I haven't done in India because when I go, there's only certain, it's like whenever I go, it's usually in, I normally go in March. I've been mm. in the summer up to Ladakh. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that happen like trekking, for example, like I'm dying to go trekking but that's more like may and june and it's a different time of year than when i'm there so i'd yeah. love to go for i'd love to go for like about a year where i really like get in i think i would after a year i'd probably be ready to go but um but i would like to do it where i could do some of the things that i am not able to do because of the time of year that i'm usually there right. um, like for example trekking is definitely i have a whole i would really like to do all the those um the four you know the John, or, places, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah all the sacred yeah. tracks the valley of the flowers um like up in uh spitty and like a lot of places that are closed in the winter because it's this you know the snow um i'm more is, attracted is, to the, is, it, is that for the beauty of nature is i'm more attracted to mountains yeah, because I'm an outdoor athlete, I'm a skier, a mountain climber, that kind of thing. So that that is attractive to me is doing those things. Um, I haven't been the would south. It be for the, would it be for any spiritual purpose? Because these are highly revered spiritual, you know, Definitely. centers of, of yeah. energy. Yes, yeah. for sure. Like that's really intriguing to me. Um, there's also, I mean, I went to Ladakh. It's unbelievable. I've been to Kashmir. Unbelievable. I would like to do more of those places. Um, because I thought they were just fantastic, all of them. And, um, and I love the South as well. I haven't been to South India in a number of years, but I love it down there too. Um, and I haven't been to like the tip of, there's a few places, like I haven't been South of, uh, Cochin really. Um, like I'd like to go yeah. to Kanyakumari. Kanyakumari, Ramakura. Yeah, so like some of those places yeah. I've been. So there's still like places on my list that I haven't been yet. Um, so I would... I would consider definitely. And then Rishikesh, I swear, I mean, you might feel differently because you're living there now, but I feel like I could be there easily for a very long time. So um, I don't know. I just feel like a kid in a candy store every time I go there. Right. And what do you feel about the current state of Rishikesh? When did you come first time to Rishikesh? Uh, 2007. And then I went 2007, 2008, 2009, 2016, 17, 18, and 19. Not last year, not 18, and then this year and last year. So I've been, I've been to so Rishikesh. So 2007 to 2020, um, you came in 20, right? Or was it uh -huh. 19? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, 20. there's been, what do, you, what do you see as the difference between those, that period? I I don't see much difference. I don't know. I mean, there's more building. There's definitely more construction. Um, and there's maybe more, I don't know, a few things have changed, but I see it just like, I see so many things that are just the same. I mean, there's a few more coffee shops versus there's a few restaurants that used to be there that aren't. Um, and the Beatles ashram is like, you know, done up. When I used to go there, it was like you paid a guy that was guarding and there was no artwork it was pretty run down um so so that's been upgraded and um uh what else i don't know but i don't see i i feel like a lot of it's maybe it's a little more commercialized but i don't see it much different than it used to be is that your favorite place in india so far mm, uh I, I don't know about that it's um i it's I love it because there is a lot of yoga stuff there, um, obviously. And I love the, I loved Anand Prakash Ashram and I love um, some of the things that I've established. I like going, there's like a hike that I like to do. And there's, um, I feel like it's like my friends are there. Like, I feel it's like my home kind of with a OM in the middle, but um, yeah. is, it, is it my favorite place? It's hard to it's my favorite place for like yoga kind of stuff, but is it my favorite? No, not necessarily. Like I, like I said, I love Ladakh and I love um, like Dharamshala is really special and I love Varanasi. I love all these places for different reasons, um, depending on, for me, it's been like, who do I know in these places? Now I've been a lot. So who, what, who are my contacts and who are my friends and, and 
you know, like Varanasi is really disgusting, but I have really, I have really great friends. I have amazing places there that we go. So there's like little oasis. I, th- I feel like there's little oasises in all these different places that make it special. Um, do you have, do you have any special relationship with the Ganga, with the river Ganga? Yes. I mean, I definitely, um, uh, I mean, from being in Rishikesh, I've been swimming in it a lot, uh, and then being in, and then going to Varanasi, you know, where it's totally different. Um, I have again, I haven't been to Gangotri, so I haven't been to the top. That's where I'm dying to go. That's like on that my. That is in, that is incredible. So that's like incredible. high, high, high on my list. I will. I'll lead a. I'm gonna lead a trip there in the next probably year or two, um, because that's something that I'm dying to do, and. Mm. Um, as far as Ganga, like, I mean, I, I don't know if I have a relationship necessarily. Um, I don't know. You know, I love seeing, I love seeing life on the rivers, like, especially in the South, when you go to like Kerala near the, the back alley channels and whatnot, like the, where the people are living and I love seeing life on the river. And, um, but like my personal experience is not, uh, I mean, besides being in Rishikesh and besides swimming there a whole bunch of times, um, you know, there is like a reverence to it that I admire and that I um, respect for sure. Um, but it's not necessarily my personal river. Okay. And have you traveled to other parts of the world? Oh, yeah. I've been to, um, I mean, I've been to South America. I've been to like I've been all over South America, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, Peru. Um, I've been, I have a piece of land in Costa Rica. I've been to Nicaragua and Costa Rica many times. I'm taking my son there this summer. I've been to uh, uh, Vietnam. I've been to Myanmar, Bhutan. Um, I've so been all over. East, Eastern, Eastern, well, not Eastern necessarily, no. Um. Uh, and and how do you find India compares with those other countries? I mean, is it still that you love India more than those countries, or can you not say that? Uh, no, I think for me, my relationship with India is something I don't know. I definitely had a past life in India. I am definitely an Indian from another lifetime. There is no question because when I go there, um, I first of all things happen to me that you again you would never make up the stories that I mean. I've been initiated on eight hour journey, and I've been in the middle of nowhere. I, I mean, I've had the most just ridiculous experiences there. So I, and always somebody is there to catch me, like always where there's like this extreme stress, like on this last trip, I almost missed my flight. I've, I've almost missed my flight a hundred times, but this particular one, I really almost missed my flight. And then next thing you know, there was a guy that had a private car. I mean, all the stewardesses and the people at the, you know, when you go to the bus where you have to give your ticket and then you get on the bus to go to the plane. And they were like, no, you missed your flight. And I was 30 minutes early. No, no, the bus is gone. The bus is gone. And three out of four people said, no, you're, you can't go. You can't go. And then one man, I said, please, I have a group to lead. I, I please, will you please let me go? I really have to be on this flight. And he said, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. He takes me over to a. A, a small car it's an indigo car that's on the runway and I got a private drive to the airplane <laughs> and I got on the yeah. airplane and I said thank you so much and I'm like that, that kind of thing I don't imagine happening certainly in the UK where I've been brought up that would never in a million years happen in the US and so there's this thing where I'm like it's just mind-boggling and then I get on the plane and I'm like I just thank God every time I'm there you know I was like wow I just <laughs> so stressful and then it always ends up working so okay cool so there's a kind of flexibility right yes in the Indian heart yes yeah, yeah. So the reason why that I like okay so I went to Vietnam recently with my son a couple years ago and then um uh, and me and Mar- so my experience with like Southeast Asia and um, I, I do like Latin American countries. I think there's a heart to Latin American countries and I think there's a soul to India. And so to me, I connect with those countries much more than like Vietnam. I had no connection to it was nice. People were friendly and it was like people were very sweet and nicer, but it was not my it was not my jam. Like I was like, this is not my place. And, um, 
And then uh, I went to Honduras like recently, and again like the Lat the South American Latin. I've also traveled to in uh, Af I went to Africa after college for three months, and that yeah. was where I started to travel. That was where I got the lifelong travel bug. And Africa also has Africa also has a soul to it that's very deep. You know, it's very ancient, um, and so it's just kind of this ancient soul that I resonate with more than. Um, you know, like Europe's a nice place to travel, but it's very similar to the U.S., you know, and, and yeah. it's same, it's same like, but different, you know, but um, it's not a hard place to travel. I like India because it presses you up against yourself. Like you have mm -hmm. to look, you end up looking at yourself in the mirror, whether you like it or not, you know, and that's where I love it. Like you get pushed to your extreme and then all of a sudden you know the man lets you in a car and gives you a private ride but you're like just to get to that place is just uncomfortable you know and I, yes. I like that because it's just uncomfortable so is it my is India my favorite place I, I don't know it's it's hard it's, it's hard to explain but I like it because I get and I learn something about myself and I've unraveled a layer of my being that's you you wouldn't have that happen in anywhere else because it's too easy in other places and india is challenging and it's hard and it's not the most pleasant place and leading being a group leader i mean this trip i did this last time we had these 14 women and they were pressing up against themselves and i was witnessing the whole thing you know and i'm trying to make it comfortable for them but at the same time it's very uncomfortable we started in varanasi like i fed them right into the fire and um mm -hmm. And so, you know, by the time we got to Dharamshala, they were really happy and everything was great. And then we went to the Taj and we stayed at a nice hotel. And so by the end, it was like cushy, but I put them into the fire on purpose. I did it intentionally. I wanted to start right. in the hardest place. And I wanted yeah. them because it makes you all the like stuff that you is like undercurrent and then it comes out. And then um, to me, that's fascinating. I love that. I love being putting people in uncomfortable positions and then having them appreciate what they have when they get home. I mean, everybody is like, thank you so much. <laughs> like by the end, they were really happy. But at the beginning, it was like not so happy. And the other part, too, with India is like you take your plans. Like we have an itinerary that I make, you know, because I have to. I have to put something on a computer to make people want to come to India. But the yeah. second that you get there, it's like I told my group, I said, you know, this is a framework. But just so you know, like nothing goes like you think it's going to go in India and nothing ever goes to plan. And that's the beauty of it, because you're living in the flow state. You're always living in a flow state in India. This person tells you to go over here. That person says, oh, this over here. There's like little drops of little morsels of nectar all over the place to get dropped. And you could say no, I don't want to do that. And I'm just going to do my itinerary. Or you just say like, okay, what is this door, you know, open door number one and see what happens. And it's always something, you know, that comes out of that. So, um, so that's what I, I love that about India is it really is like you're living every moment in the present moment. And when you walk out of your hotel room in the morning, you have no idea what the day is going to bring. And it's every day feels like a year. Like my, my guests this time were like, I can't believe I've been here for two weeks. It feels like I've been here for like two years. Like every day is from morning until night is just nonstop, you know, adventure of some kind. And how do you imagine, like, if you lived in India? I know you haven't lived for extensive periods, but I imagine it would imagine really. I would. I imagine you would. Your patience would get tested, like maximum patience testing. I would think. Um, Absolutely. And I think you would see the underside of, uh, you know, a woman, I, I went on, a, I did a Vipassana course last October and there was an Indian gal that was on the course and I sat next to her and I didn't mean to, but we just happened to sit next to each other. And the first night you're allowed to talk, you know, and then you have to be quiet. But um, she had a thick Indian accent. So I said, okay, where are you from? I always talk to Indian people. In the West, whenever I'm around Indian people, I always end up striking up a conversation with whomever. And they're always surprised because I've traveled there so much. But this girl said she could not believe that I would ever want to go back to India more than one time in her life. She, like, And she was completely in the opposite situation. She was uh, from... I forget where she was from. Uh, where is she from? I can't remember. But she ended up going to um, college on the east, and then she moved to Seattle. And so she was living in Seattle. 
And she lived here for about 10 years and she was so happy to leave India. Like she was just over it. And she said, I, I don't know. She said the whole time we met and I told her I had loved India and it was like one of my favorite places. And she said for 10 days, she was wondering why in the world. And then at the end, you're allowed to talk to the people again. Yeah. And said, you know, I still can't believe why you would want to go. Why do you want to go back to that place? And I said, you know, there's this freedom that I feel when I'm there that I don't get in the West. Like, I feel like in the West, we have the speed limit. You have to drive the certain speed limit and you have to stay in the lines and you have to, your neighbors are always like in your business and all this, my, my dogs aren't on a leash, even though they're trained and friendly, like, and people get mad and there's this whole, like, I feel boxed in when I'm in the West, but when I go to India, I feel like I can just do anything and nobody cares. Nobody's, no, it's like, there's no, <laughs> might be a policeman, but like, I can, you can drive whatever you want. There's no rules. Like, nobody's looking at me. Nobody cares. I can do whatever I want and nobody's like in my stuff. And she except said, your, except during the COVID crisis. Yeah, except during the COVID crisis. Yeah, right. And then, and then she said, "Oh my gosh, I feel the exact opposite." Because when she's in India, being an Indian girl in a family, there's all this, um, you know, there's all this like the the um, the religion, the like marriage, and she has to be in the same. She has to find a Hindu, and she fell in love actually with another. I think she fell in love with a Buddhist, but she ended up not being able to be with him. And her parents were so controlling and like all the family, all this family, you know, in controlling family stuff. And so she loved being in the, in America because, um, because she felt free. She could do whatever she wanted. She was able to, you know, be with people that she wanted to be with without her parents, like in her business all the time. And so mm -hmm. we... So it was very like we both felt the same, but in the other country. Um, so it was really interesting to have this conversation with her because uh, we did feel the same, but in the opposite place. You've gone on mute. Uh, yeah. Can you hear me? No, no, okay. I can, I can, I can hear you now. Yeah. So that brings me to the last question. It connects nicely to the now last question is, is why do you think there's this Indian dream that there is an Indian dream to go to live in the West? You know? Um, well, I think probably a lot of that comes from the movies and, um, uh, and seeing, you know, the Indians that see Westerners, this is what comes up with me a lot with Indians is they assume that just because you're from the West that you have a lot of money and, yeah. Yes, I have a life where I'm able to travel to India. That is right away more fortunate than other people. And I recognize that. But they also don't have, they don't factor in the fact that we have 10 different kinds of insurance that we have to pay for. And the mortgage and the cost of living is high. And food is expensive if you want to eat organic. And, you know, there's all these other things that are um, not taken into account, I think. So... Um, I don't know the fascination. I imagine, I personally think it just comes from what they see on TV, which is a very, you know, or what you see on Facebook, which is somebody's life that's not necessarily their real life, because you see yeah. the glorified life. Um, even, before, even before all this Facebook, social media stuff, it was there. Yeah, I think that's just because, I mean, that's just the stigma of America, right? And plus, there's like, the land of the free. People think that, you know, in the business, I mean, it is easy to start a business in, in the U.S. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know what it's like to start a business in India. The actual, like, logistics of starting a business, I have no idea. Um, but in, you know, in the U.S., it's quite easy. And so, uh, you know, whether or not it takes off, that's a different story. But actually, like, the paperwork and that you can do whatever you want. Yeah, no, that, that's easy. But the actual maintenance of the business, that's not so easy. No. And I don't think there's, I don't think anything is easy. And I don't think that anything is just free, you know, whatever. I think it's what you put into things and what your work ethic is and what your energy is. And are you putting something positive into the world? And I, I truly believe that like what you put out is what comes back. So, um, and what are you attracting in the life? So when people think they're going to have a better life in America, well, it's, I don't think it's so easy, but, um, I think if you have a solid 
morals and work ethic and you want to you can do whatever you want if you want to go to you know there's a lot of i i flew this this last two years i've been flying from uh vancouver there's a direct flight now from portland to vancouver and then vancouver bc uh canada to delhi and yeah. the entire airplane the entire thing is indians and they're all sikhs and they're all from the punjab you know so yes. but they have a high they have a high work, they have a hard work ethic. And just as a culture, I think they have a, a stronger work ethic than maybe some other places in India. And I might be wrong, but you know, they, they seem to be making something of themselves in the West. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, in general, most Indians have made uh, something of themselves in the West. I mean, I, I personally believe that for the UK, I can't speak for the speak for the US. That, you know, if the Indians were to pull out and all come back to India, the UK might even collapse because right. there are Indians in the medical profession, in the IT profession. Totally. You know? Yeah. And same with here. Like in Portland, we have Intel, and it's just all Indians, which is great. We have good Indian restaurants now, so <laughs> for us. But um, you know, it's. A lot of in because I think if you're educated Indian person, especially if you got to school educated in the West, um, I think you're. Uh, it's not like if you grow up like if you grow up in it, the U.S. and then you go to college. Like a lot of people in college are drinking and partying and like going to have a good time. And I think an Indian person that goes to college in the U.S is like the chosen one and they know it and there's a lot of pressure i'm sure from their families and whatever to you know do to do a good job in school and so i think they study harder than we do too and i think if you're that smart and that and you have money to get to here then they're making something of themselves so that they can you know what are if they whether or not they stay in the west or go back to india um i think a lot of them end up staying in the west and maybe go back to India, you know, to see their families or whatever. But I think a lot of a lot of the Indians that I've met on the plane, I always talk to the people on the plane and they're always like shocked. Like, why would you go to India? Like the only reason why they go there is to go visit their families. And, yeah. you know, yeah. like once a year, they'll go visit their grandparents or their parents or something. But I think a lot of them like don't really want to live in India anymore. But there's still this huge. Yeah, there's still this huge reverence for the West. And the most of the Indians that I speak to who, who have emigrated to the West say it's because they can't handle the corruption of, the, of India. Okay, That's see this the is like... And, and, and obviously economic, you know, that they feel more economically benefited by being in a Western country. Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know. This is where I need to live in India or something. I don't know this, like, corruption side because I don't... It's different being a traveler than being a a liver yeah. or whatever, yeah. a, res a resident. And I, I read books where they talk about the corruption. And I know um, uh, Mary Ellen Ward is out in Rishikesh and she writes about it a lot. And she tells stories. She's a good writer. So she tells stories. But again, like I don't, I haven't seen that side. So I can't speak to it. Um, but it must be bad enough that people want to leave, you know? Um, yeah, and, and, you know, for example, the West's best slogan is here. And, um, you know, yoga and Ayurveda, which has taken off relatively recently, you know, in, given, you know, how long it's actually been alive, um, has only taken off amongst Indians because they see the Westerners are into it. And I think also with yoga too. And I I saw and I saw a stat that said that yoga in India was up thirty percent because they see the Westerners doing it, which totally, is, totally, which totally. is hilarious. Um, so so but, that shows you the Indian mind that West is still best. If the Westerners are doing it, it must be good. Right. Know? Yeah. I'm not saying that for everybody, but it is there. You know. Yeah. And. Um, um, yeah, I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm from a UK background. I was born in the UK, but I, I decided to come here. But, you know, living here is very different from the India syndrome or the India dream that I had when I was a traveler. But, still, yeah. but still, I'm here because I, like you, find a heart in India that I personally, I've traveled quite a lot. But, um, you know, it's, 
I haven't found that anywhere else. Well, I have found it in other Eastern, Eastern, Eastern type of countries. I haven't uh-huh. traveled to Latin America, but I have found it. But it's easier for me here because of the language and stuff. And um, I've traveled here the most. So, yeah. Um, but still, I, I just want to kind of, I wish I could somehow dispel the West is best dream because there's a brain drain here, you know? Yeah. The, all, all the brains are leaving here and going to the West, you know? Right. Yeah. No, that that's definitely something that I would, that's definitely something to be concerned about. Or like a lot of people that their kids get a college education and maybe they don't go to the West, but they go to Singapore, but they leave India, you know, because yeah. Um, yeah. Wh- wherever yeah. they're going, they're going outside of India. Um, yeah. So I know. And then what are you left with? There's like, um, but you're educated, obviously, and have the ability to empower, you know, people that maybe don't have that, uh, those abilities, which, you know, India needs people like you to do that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And you have your Western perspective on the East, it's on, or on, at least on India, that um, you can kind of bring that to, to them. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to conclude now because we're running over time. And I know this conversation could go on for hours. But, yeah, totally. um, but, but would you like to conclude with anything in particular? Um, I, love, I love hearing the perspective of, of somebody who's living there versus my travel experience. Although I feel like I have had, um, you know, I feel like I have a somewhat of a handle, not a handle, but I, I do, I have traveled India so much that something about it, it always draws me back. And I always, I equate it to when I used to run marathons. And for when I was younger, I ran 10 marathons. And when you're in the marathon, the whole time, it's like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. I can't believe I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? This sucks. Like the whole time you're just miserable, right? And then you get done and then you're like, that was fantastic. When is the next one that I'm doing? And you get addicted yeah. to doing it again. And I always think of the going to India is a little bit like that. Although I, I can't complain the last few years, we've had great trips, but, um, but yeah, it's like when you're in it, you're like, why am I here? There's trash everywhere. They don't use toilets. They're throwing stuff just on the ground. You know, I just, it's like this mentality. It just is mind boggling sometimes, but um, but it, once you get below that surface level, that's what I love is like when you meet people and, um, you know, when you start to actually meet the local people and you start to see that there's a true soul and a true heart that is very deep rooted and it goes below the surface. And if you just stayed in five star hotels and if you just went on a tour bus you wouldn't, you would only see this like surface part, but if you really get down and start to get into the gritty of, and gritty of, and meeting locals, it really brings this, um, I don't know, it brings this magical quality to this country that's hard to explain. Um, So I'm just speaking from traveler perspective, um, but I just think there's a, there's a magic to it that's very appealing and very, um, uh, heartwarming and at the same time completely annoying and completely like te- <laughs> patient testing and and all those hard things too but that I guess it's just the land of contrast and and unless you go there unless you feed yourself to the fire like you'll never know about your own self like you'll never you won't know your own self if you're always in comfortable positions so I, I like being uh, I love that it's just a uncomfortable amazing place to be okay all right that sounds like a good conclusion so um we'll conclude here and thank you very much ashley thank um, you um, and uh, just stay on the line again. i'm just gonna stop the recording okay, okay?